Welcome to Just Jay-Z, a place where we talk all things hair, business, lifestyle, pop culture, and more. Now here's Jesse to welcome you into this episode. What's up, you guys? It's Jesse. Welcome back to today's episode. I'm really excited to be here doing a little solo episode for you guys, and we're going to do a Q&A. So I put out a Q&A question box on my story, and I'm just going to be answering your questions. So I hope you enjoy this one. I also feel like whenever I do a solo episode, I don't know what to talk about because I usually have either Christina or a guest on, and we're kind of going back and forth, and it's a little you know funner. So if you guys have any ideas or topics that you'd like to hear about for a solo episode, please let me know because I'm always looking for ideas. Um, but let's just jump into the Q&A and answer these questions for you guys. Uh, but actually, first, it's time for Let's Talk Peaks and Pits. Okay, so I would say that my peak for this week is that I'm going on a cruise tomorrow, and I'm really excited. I'm kind of nervous because I'm 30 weeks pregnant. I probably shouldn't be going, but I'm excited to just have like one last vacation with just one baby instead of two, and we get a little break. And I haven't been on a cruise in almost four years, so I'm really excited to do that. And we're taking Jagger. It's me and Jordan. We're going with our friends, Brooke and Kenzie, and we're going with both of our parents. So it's going to be a fun time. We're going to the Dominican Republic, which I've actually never been to. And I probably won't get off and do many excursions, obviously, because I can't, but it'll still just be kind of fun to visit and relax and eat. That's really what I'm looking forward to the most. Um, And then I would say that my pit for this week is just that we got back from Nashville for our Nashville class this week and we all got kind of sick. So Jagger and I have had a cough. Um, Jordan flew home from Japan this last week and he was sick when he landed. So it's just been like a rough week getting over that. But so if my voice sounds hoarse, that's why, but, um, we're on the uphill of getting better. So that's good. Okay, now let's jump into the Q&A. So the first question I have is, new salon owner, what policies do you have in place for maternity leave? This one's tricky because it all kind of just depends on your structure and how you have your salon set up, whether you have employees or W-2s or 1099s, booth runners, commission, however you choose to run your place, that's going to kind of determine what you do as far as stuff like this goes. So for us, we do have 1099 commission stylists, and then we do have one booth runner at the moment. We probably will have more soon. And because of that, they are in charge of their own schedule and flexibility. So we don't say you can only take off this amount of time for maternity leave or anything like that. It's more just like, hey, if you need to do that, let us know when you're going to be off, block it off on your books, and then we'll let you come back when you're ready. Um, I think the only thing would be like if someone was like, hey, I'm just going to take maternity leave and I'm not sure when I'm coming back. That would be where we would say something like, well, we're not going to hold your spot forever. But like, let's say six months down the road, a year down the road, if you want to come back, we can revisit it and see. But if they tell us for sure, like, hey, I'm taking 12 weeks off, then we'll hold their spot. So that's how we do it. But there's so many different ways that you can. Um, If you're an employee and you have benefits, that's going to be something that's more structured if that's what you do for your salon. So I would maybe just ask your accountant, your lawyer, um, depending on your structure, what would work best for you? Okay. Next question says, what is your favorite part about your and Christina's friendship? That's so cute. I wish she was on for this one. 
Um, I would just say that we know each other so well and we always joke that we can like read each other's minds and we'll like say the same thing at the same time or we'll like send each other a text that says the same thing at the same time. It happens so often and it's happened our whole friendship and it's just cool that like we kind of just have the same way of thinking, which is why we get along so well, but also we've just been around each other's lives for so long. It's cool to have someone who knows you so well, who's seen your ups and downs, your growth. Um, we literally knew each other as teenagers and now we're adults with babies and jobs and husbands. And it's crazy to like see each other grow through the different phases in life. And like, we still have that same connection we did back then. So I would just say that. And just knowing that like, that's like a friendship that will always be there. It's just a really a good feeling because it's been 18 years, so it's not going anywhere. <laughs> okay. Next question says the biggest win this past year as a business and in your personal life. That is a good one. Um, I would say the biggest win in my business this year is opening Jay-Z Academy. It's been on my vision board for years. It's something I've always been super interested in. If you guys have followed Jay-Z or me for a while, you know that we um, started educating like what, four years ago, probably. And I started a segment on my YouTube channel called the Beauty School Series because I wanted to educate um, on, you know, beauty school topics that I feel like maybe you didn't learn in school or that schools didn't touch on. And I thought that would be kind of cool. And it kind of turned into the beauty school series that I then made a 10 video series that we sold on our website. And it was very professionally done. It was a big production. And I've always had a special place in my heart for beauty school students because the biggest feedback I get from people that come to my classes or just DMs or messages I get is that I watched your videos in hair school. It got me through hair school. It's where I learned most of the things that I do now. And I just think that's so cool. And I want to be able to open a hair school where that's what they're learning from the get go and that they're getting that inspiration and that knowledge from the very beginnings so that when they graduate, they don't feel like they're like lost. Obviously, when you graduate, you're still going to be new and experience will give you more of a skill set, but I want to be a little bit of a different school that's going to give a different experience right off the bat. So I'm really proud that this year we made that happen. And as of right now, the school is going to be opening very, very soon. I'm not sure when this episode specifically is going up, but when it does, it could be open already or it could be soon, but I'm just so excited. So um, as far as business goes, that would be it. And then as far as my personal life goes, probably being pregnant and just knowing that like we're kind of wrapping up the final chapter of our family. Um, this is our last baby. So we're just kind of adding that final person to our family. And this is just exciting. Like it's a crazy time because being pregnant sucks and it's hard, but um, it, it came at such a cool time and it's been such a blessing. And we're really excited to see Jagger become a big brother. And I'm excited to have a daughter. I have Peyton, my stepdaughter. Um, so I, I'm, that makes me really excited because having a girl is so fun. She loves makeup and getting dressed up and all the fun stuff. So I'm excited to do that, um, with another one. So that would probably be my win for my personal life. When is the shampoo and conditioner coming? Good freaking question, you guys. If I would have known it was going to take this long, I probably wouldn't have talked about it as early as I did. But we've been working on this for literal years. And COVID, of course, slowed us down. But, um, you know, that's just life right now. But we are getting very, very close. Our packaging is done. We've actually had our packaging and our bottles in our warehouse for a few months now. And it's just been sitting there waiting for the actual product. We finalized our formula a couple of months ago. And 
And um, it took us years of testing. That was why it took so long is because we were really picky about what we wanted as far as like the product goes, the consistency, the color, the way it worked. Um, We didn't want to just like create shampoo and conditioner to create it. We wanted to make sure it was really beneficial to the people using it, stylists and clients, people with extensions or without extensions. We just want it to be a really good product. And so there was a lot of testing and formulating and all of that that went along with it. And then once we actually finalized the formula, it just took a minute to get everything in, like all the ingredients, because things have been on back order. And it sucks because we got word that like the final ingredient we were waiting for was in. And that was like maybe two or three weeks ago. And then the day before we were sending our bottles to go get them filled um, with the product, they were like, just kidding. It's on back order. It didn't come in time and it's going to be another few weeks. And we're like, oh my gosh. So we were kind of shooting for like a Black Friday or Christmas launch, but now it's probably going to be the new year, which sucks, but it is what it is. And once we have it, we'll be fine. But for sure early next year is what we're thinking as of right now. And I'm really excited for you guys to try it. The packaging's so cute. The name is so cute. Um, We're getting into this new hair care venture and we have a whole idea of how we want the whole aesthetic to look and how we want the products to look and the names for everything. And I'm really excited. Um, We're also working on a purple shampoo that we've actually finalized and hopefully that one will come quicker. Um, And then we have our oil being reformulated. And if these products go well, then who knows, like we could go on to dry shampoo, texture spray, um, you know, other things. So if you guys are interested in like a full Jay-Z hair care line, let me know because I would love to give you guys the products you're looking for. And um, I'm really excited about that. So stay tuned. It should be very, very soon within the next few months, hopefully. And I think one of my goals with that is to possibly get the hair care in a beauty supply, like maybe Cosmoprof or Salon Centric. I don't really know how tricky that is. I've looked into it in the past, but not super in depth. And we are working with a Salon Centric rep with the school now. So that might be a good avenue for me to try. But um, I just think it would be cool if, I mean, obviously right now you'll be able to order it online on our website um, for shipping all over the country and we'll have it in our retail store. But I think it would be cool if we could have it in beauty supplies where people could access it a little easier. And along with that, maybe our products too, like our foils and our tape remover. And I don't know if I'd ever want my hair in a beauty supply, but like the products that you need you know, like if you ran out of tape, you could run there or um, a comb or clips or foils, whatever, you know, curling irons. I think that would be really cool. So I think that's one of my biggest goals for the next few years. Okay. Next question is thoughts on base breaking. I have mixed thoughts on this because it scares me a little bit because I feel like it is a little more of an old school technique. I didn't learn a ton about it in school and I didn't really venture into it on my own afterwards, but I have done it a few times and I think if done correctly, it can be amazing, but I do feel like it does create a lot of warmth in the hair. And if your clients are really dark level, I feel like it's just harder to continue like lifting that and then like not getting to a point where it gets too warm. And I think it's very easy to get warmth when doing that. So I think that when I ever, whenever I do base break, it would be like a seven or above that I would feel comfortable doing it on. And I think I've seen a lot of like amazing stylists do it. I just need to like maybe do it more. Um, but when I went to Eric Vaughn's class last year, he did base break a brunette to kind of lift out some of the dark and give her a lighter base color and then highlight it around that. And I was really intrigued by that. And I feel like that is a good idea, but it scares me on hair that dark. So maybe I need to kind of like venture into it a little bit more, but it's just kind of intimidating. 
Okay, next question says, best tips for starting hair school? This one's hard because everyone's journey with hair school is so unique and it kind of depends on the school you go to and what you're getting out of it. But I think just like as a general thing, I would say making sure that you're just open to every opportunity. You're taking every client you can. When I was in um, hair school educating, I was a hair school instructor before I opened Jay-Z. We would get students all the time who maybe didn't want to do a perm or a men's cut, which I totally understand. And they would like hide in the bathroom and not take clients because of it. Or maybe it was just like a color correction they were intimidated by. But the thing is, that is when you're there to learn. And if you don't do it in school, then you're not going to get the experience you need to be able to handle it in the real world. And when you're in a salon at a job, you can't just hide in the bathroom and not take your client, right? So I would say take advantage that school is the time to take on the clients maybe you're not as excited about, but you're learning from or the scary ones and utilize the instructors you have to help you because you don't always have them there to hold your hand through it and just be open to everything. Um, Another other thing is don't skip school. Don't skip hours because even if it's just an hour or two here or there, it adds up so quickly and it can push your graduation date really far. And um, when I was in hair school, I was also working two jobs. I worked at a beauty supply and I was a nanny and I did end up missing some school here and there for those jobs. And even though I had to do that to make money, it was hard because my, I think my graduation date ended up getting pushed like three months. And that just in the long run sucks because you're like, oh, I could be graduating now. And even if it is for a job or any other reason, um, I would just try not to unless it's necessary because you can graduate and be making better money sooner and just getting done with it is such a good feeling. So I would just say for sure that. And then also taking any classes you can while you're in school. I think it's really impressive when we have students coming to our classes. I feel like we get a good amount of students coming to our certifications, especially, and they're just eager to learn more about extensions because not a lot of schools touch on it in depth. And I think it's cool that they're wanting to invest in themselves and take it seriously While they're still in school, they're still in the mode of learning so that when they graduate, they can just hit the ground running. And I just think that's really admirable because that's just something else you can add to your resume and your skill set. And it's just going to take you further as you do look for a job. So um, if you can't go to any in-person classes, then you could always do um, online as well. There is a lot of free education out there these days, which is awesome. I didn't have that when I was in school. And now the luxury we have with social media, with TikTok and Instagram, as we have videos and posts and all of this education is so accessible to us. So definitely utilize that. There's even online classes that are just not as expensive as in-person ones as well. And I just feel like soaking up everything and learning from different creators and artists can be beneficial because you may learn something from one person and another thing from another. And that's great. And um, I also in hair school felt like I was really excited. They give you a kit in hair school, of course, and that's great because it's everything you need, but start doing your research on like maybe the tools you want to like learn to use in the salon and the products and the colors you want to use because even if you're learning all of this in hair school, most schools aren't going to have like every color line obviously available. So start looking into things on your own as far as the different color lines that are out there and if one color line is more of a warmer base and the other is a cooler base and just kind of like learning everything so that you really know what you're doing when you graduate and then just what tools you want to invest in because you probably will want to upgrade your shears after school, maybe your blow dryer, things like that. And just getting excited about that also helps you have that like passion behind it. So those are my thoughts on that. 
The next one is how do you get over the fear of thinking you can't be successful behind the chair? This one's tricky because I feel like we all have a little bit of imposter syndrome in our industry because we are service providers. So whether you're doing hair or aesthetics or whatever service you do provide, it can be really easy to get into your own head and think that your client doesn't like it or you're not good enough, especially if you're new. So I feel like the biggest thing is faking it till you make it, which sounds cliche, but I do feel like clients can read and sense your energy. And if you're coming off nervous or timid or not confident, they're going to feel that. And in turn, they could, you know, maybe question you as well. And even if it does turn out good, maybe they're starting to doubt it because of the way the interaction went. So faking it till you make it, but also having open conversations. So acting confident, acting, you know, in control of the appointment, but also having in-depth consultations and asking the questions and making sure you're on the same page because that really goes a long way. Sometimes you can think you know what the client wants and they maybe explained it wrong or you interpreted it differently than they meant. And a lot of times clients don't do hair. So they could be saying, I want an ashy tone to my hair. And to them, ash could be something completely different than what you think ash is because you're a professional who, you know, knows a little more about that. Right. So I always say an in-depth consultation can make or break the process. And that in turn can help build your confidence because if you're having clients that feel confident in you and they trust you and you have that open communication from the beginning, they're going to come back and that's going to build your clientele and your confidence over time. So when I'm doing consultations, I always like to say, not only will you show me photos of what you do like and what you do want, but I want you to see if you can find any photos of things you don't like and things that you're not attracted to, because I kind of want to see what they don't want in their hair and what they're wanting to avoid. And what if it looks very similar to the pictures they showed me that they did like, and then kind of breaking that down. What are the differences? Is it the placement they like? Is it the tone that they like? A lot of times you fall into this where they're looking at the face of the person in the photo and that's really what they like. And it's not always going to look the same on them. So just having that open communication is really going to help faking it till you make it. But just know that no matter how far into your career you are, you could be doing hair for 30 years, feel so confident, and you're still going to have bad days, whether it's you accidentally mix the wrong formula or the hair doesn't do what you want it to, or you're just having an off day or you're tired, things happen. And just know that even the most seasoned stylists have mess ups and mistakes. And it's all about just kind of owning that and learning from it and growing from it. Um, but just trust me, especially with social media, it's so much of the illusion of perfection, especially with like educators and bigger artists. You think that they never make a mistake and they never mess up and they know what they're doing. And even if that's the case, 99% of the time, everyone still has those mistakes and those bad days. So just remember that um, you're never going to be at a point in your career where you're like, well, I've got it all figured out. I've learned all I can. I'm perfect. You're always learning because trends change. And we have stylists too that come to our salon or our classes that have been doing hair for years and years and years. And they're amazing but trends are changing and they want to learn new techniques. And I think that's really the only way to stay up on it and stay current is to educate yourself and never get to a point where you think you know everything. Okay. The next question says, how do you do it all? Do you ever have a day where you just chill? Um, yes and no. I feel like I get asked this question a lot because I do have a lot going on. Um, I have my businesses and uh, marriage and kids and, you know, a social life and home life. And it is really hard to juggle. And anyone that, you know, does all of that day to day knows that. But um, one of my 
personality traits that has helped my business is that I am very go, go, go. And I have a hard time like stopping, but it also can be really bad because it, when I do have like a day to just chill, it's really hard for me just to like tune out and chill. I have to like be doing something like even now I'm at home, but I'm working from home and podcasting and editing or doing laundry or cleaning the house. And that's just my personality. And I think everyone recharges their batteries in a different way. And of course there's times I need that, but there may be someone who, you know, goes home and has alone time to unwind or, there's another person who has family time to unwind. And for me, I just, I really enjoy making sure everything in my life is structured. So my house is clean and my laundry is done and everything in the salon's organized. Like that's just kind of how my brain works. Um, but balance is definitely something I'm not great at. It's something I struggle with every day and I'm still trying to figure it out. And as I add more to my plate, it gets a little bit harder, but, um, yeah, it's just part of my personality. And I think that if you, aren't doing as much as someone you follow or something you see online, don't feel bad about it because if your personality isn't that, then that's okay too. Um, we're all different for a reason, you know? So um, that's kind of my advice on that. Okay. The next question says, how do you deal with rude clients? Oh, this one sucks. I feel like everyone has this at one point in their career and it's really hard to get through, but I feel like as long as you handle the situation the way you feel the most comfortable, you can, you know, have an open line of communication with them, go through the consultation process first, have contracts signed because that's really important in the beginning. And then also just making sure you're offering everything you think is for the best. So for example, in our contracts at our salon, we have a seven day grace period where they have a week to reach out to us if they feel like anything is bugging them or they want something fixed or moved or whatever it may be. And this goes for a cut, a color, extensions, anything. And within that seven days, whether we think it needs to be fixed or not, we'll do it because that's good customer service. You want that client to feel happy and come back to you. Um, But after that seven days, it's just going to be maintenance that they pay for. So um, if a toner starts to fade or an extension row is slipping, they say after three to four weeks, it could just be normal grow out or it's time for a glazing maintenance and we do charge for that. Um, But it's hard because some clients don't quite get that. And there will be some clients who just want to take advantage and get free services. And it's really hard because you don't want those clients to ruin your attitude towards the clients who really do need maybe something fixed for free or something like that. So um, I think the biggest thing is just being willing to like own up to it and admit when you've made a mistake and maybe you do need to offer a fix for free and not just getting defensive off the bat. Like, oh, well, no, your hair looks fine. I didn't do that wrong. Because if the client's unhappy, they're unhappy. And it's it's worth having a conversation about it so that you can figure out what went wrong and what you could have done differently and how you can help them. And then once you've done everything you can, if they're still being rude to you, that's when I think you can just be like, well, I offered to do this, whether it was a fix or a refund or whatever it may be. And if they're still being rude, then it's okay to walk away. And it's hard in our industry. It's a fine line between like kind of holding your own and having your job be respected and your prices be respected. And also knowing when you may have to fix something or give a refund, you know, kind of just depends on what your policies are. But at the end of the day, I think we all have a pretty good gauge and a good sense of if we know a client is just taking advantage and there may be a stylist hopper and they're just trying to get their money back and go to the next, or if they are loyal and a good person and they're just like maybe unhappy and maybe just having a bad day, you know? So it really sucks when someone's rude to you, especially when it's targeted towards your work, but it's just something you have to deal with in the service industry. And it's something that 
is just so hard, but it's something that will always be there, you know, because that's the life and the job that we chose. Okay. Someone said management tips, managing friends and how to balance managing work and your home life. Like I said, this kind of goes back to the balance conversation. It's really hard. And I don't think anyone's really born with a handbook on how to do this, especially in our industry. I've noticed that a lot of us are creative types, right? And if you open a salon or even just like your own suite or you're a booth runner and you have your own business, that doesn't mean that you all of a sudden know how to run a business or manage people. And that's probably one of been, the, been one of the hardest things for me is I'm a creative type and I love the content side of it and I love the marketing and creating new products and you know, beautiful hair and all of that. But managing has never come naturally to me. And it's something that I'm still learning. And I've learned a lot throughout the almost seven years we've been open, but I'm still working on. And every year is a little different because our business grows and evolves and thing and evolve and things change. And your management style has to change kind of depending on like who you hire and what job you're um, managing at the time. So um, I think just kind of being true to yourself and doing all the research you can, getting help where you can, whether that's hiring someone out. I'm lucky because I have been able to hire a great salon manager and a great retail manager. And my sisters run the warehouse and we, me and my family, because we're all in it together, we've kind of had that discussion where, you know, we all have our strong suits and like we all manage what we're best at. And I'm best at marketing and the content and all of that because I'm more of the creative type. So when it comes to the day-to-day management of our stylists or our employees, that's not on me. Like obviously I'm one of the owners, so things have to be run by me and I can like give answers and things that I want to happen, but I don't have to deal with that day-to-day because I have people who do that. And that is definitely good for me because that is just not my personality type. And it's okay if it's not, you can still be a business owner, but just having kind of like help when you can is going to be the best thing. Okay. Someone else said how to go about finding and hiring the right stylist. This one's so interesting because I think that as salon owners, it's tricky to find a team that's going to be with you forever. There's always going to be turnover in our industry. And um, that's just expected. I already know, like we have such a great team at our salon right now, but in five years, it's going to be totally different. And that's fine, you know, because who stays at one job their whole life? No one. And especially in our industry, like things are changing and people want a new creative space and where people move or they stop doing hair. It's just how life goes. But I feel like something I've found very beneficial in the hiring process is making sure that the work ethic and the vibe of who they are is there. Because when you get hired at Jay-Z, for example, we have you go through a training program called the Co-Stylist Program. It's a seven-page worksheet. You work with our real-life stylist shadowing and learning. You do pass-offs on real clients and mannequins. And it does take a little bit before you can get onto the floor, but we feel confident in that training program where we can teach you the techniques with hair, right? Obviously, we're only hiring stylists, so it's people who have already been through their schooling and education, and then we're just kind of teaching them our way and just making sure that it's a right fit on both ends. But it's really hard to teach someone customer service skills or communication skills or things like that. So something I look for in the first interview that I do is 
you know, how they communicate themselves to me and how they talk and how they answer questions and how they treat the other people that they interact with during the interview or just being at the salon and seeing that. And then the second interview we do is a working interview. The first one's a sit down. And in that working interview, that's where we kind of see how they work with clients and customers and other people in the salon. And that's usually a full day. And we do pay them during this, but it's kind of like a like a hands-on interview. We're paying them to assist, but we're also evaluating them and they know that. And we're just seeing what they do and how they take instruction and things because overall, like I said, we can teach them how to do hair. We can teach them different techniques. It's all about the customer service for me and the vibe because the bigger your salon gets, the more stylists you have. That's so many different personalities coming together and you want your clients to feel like it's a good environment. And I want someone who's going to be nice to other stylists in the break room and nice to their clients and things like that. Um, so I always say that like our motto or our objective at Jay-Z is to have a high-end salon. Um, so like a high-end luxury salon, but with like a home family feel. I don't want anyone to ever walk in our salon and be like, oh my gosh, it feels so snooty and people are judging me. Um, which sometimes you can feel when you walk into a nice place, right? You just never know. But I want it to feel like a luxury place where they're getting pampered, but also feel like they're talking to their best friend and that all the stylists are getting along and it's a good vibe, right? So I think that's a big part of it is just hiring people that you feel make your business better and make the environment what you're wanting because that really can make or break things. Okay, the last question I'm going to answer says, how to deal with a boss who gets upset when you move on to a new salon? So I can see this one from both ends because I have been a stylist who has left a salon before, and I've also been an owner for um, a while now, and I've obviously had stylists come and go, and it can be really hard. So I think that the main reason in our industry that people get scared to tell their owners they're leaving or moving on to something new is because we are in such a personal industry. It's very hands-on. We become friends with each other, and it's not like a corporate job, and it's just a little closer because of that. And especially as a salon owner, it can feel hard when someone wants to leave, and especially if it's something that maybe they didn't like about your place or something you did, it can be hard not to take it personally. Um, but I think that something that salon owners haven't done a great job of in the past because it's created this stigma is the minute someone quits or says they're like looking for something new or moving on, it's like an immediate, well, you're out, get your stuff out, you're done. They don't give a two-week grace period or have understanding in that moment. So <clears throat> I think because of that, a lot of stylists end up going about it in a way that can feel disrespectful or shady to the salon owner because they're wanting to keep it a secret because they're scared of how the owner might react. But the owner is coming out of a place where it's like, well, if you would have just told me this could have been different instead of like hiding it from me. Right. So there's two sides to that coin. And I feel like being a stylist, I understand how intimidating and scary that can be. I remember working at my first booth rental salon before I opened Jay-Z and I found Jay-Z. I was opening it and I had to tell my owner, Shalana, and she is an angel on earth. And she was so supportive of me and just was such a safe space for me. And I felt so guilty doing this and telling her I was opening another salon in the same city, like literally down the road. And I didn't want her to feel offended or like I was being shady and I was so scared. And she was awesome. Like she really did teach me a lot of lessons in how I want to be as a salon owner. And she just kind of like accepted 
what I was doing and was like, I'm so happy for you. Like there was never a negative thought and she was just so positive about it. And that is something I've always carried with me of just how supportive she was of all of her stylists and how supportive she even was of me opening another salon, you know? And I think that's just how it should be. So as an owner, I can understand why it hurts when people leave, especially in our salon industry. Um, I feel like we're always you know, in these small towns where people talk and it's like, oh, did you hear this person left this salon? And it turns into drama. It always has to be a reason. And that's kind of built that stigma as well. But I feel like as an owner, if you can handle it in a way that's just like supportive and it's like, great, good for you. Whenever a stylist leaves us, we give them a parting gift. We wish them the best. Um, Obviously, there's been situations where it hasn't been the best, but that's just for me, at least something that I think the stylist can go about on how they want to do it. If you are being sneaky or shady or you're trying to poach clients or poach other stylists or, you know, if you're being shady in any way, then yes, the salon owner, I think has a right to feel upset and that's going to happen. But if you're just open and honest and you're doing things in an honest way, then I think the salon owner should have nothing to freak out about. So that's maybe something salon owners can work on is just realizing you will lose stylists and employees over time. And you're always going to have turnover in our industry. That's just how it is. So don't get too attached to any person or any team member because it could all change. That's just kind of the sad reality. So um, one more thing I want to touch on within that is I know a lot of salons do like non-competes and um, they have like policies on poaching clients and stylists and stuff. And I we're a little different because I've never really believed in like, you can't work within a competing salon within 500 feet or within a certain amount of miles or you whatever. Like, I just don't love that because I just feel like everyone's built hard or worked hard to build their clientele. They shouldn't not be able to take them. Right. So, um, but at the same time, a lot of our stylists, especially being commissioned, build their clientele through us. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I feel like it should always be the client's choice. So the way we do it when a stylist leaves is, um, if they quit to us, we usually ask that they give us a two week just so that we can rearrange the schedule and let their clients know, or just, you know, and make sure we're not like high and dry the next day with a client coming in and we don't have a stylist to do their hair. So we usually ask for that, but we don't require it. And then, um, we let them stay. Like if they're like, Hey, I'm leaving, I'm going to give two weeks. We're like, great. Like we're not kicking them out that day. Um, or if they're like, Hey, can I stay for a month? Usually that's what we'll let them do. I think a month would probably be the longest we'd let them. It wouldn't be like, Hey, in six months I'm leaving. Can I stay? Cause that's just kind of holding a spot that someone else could use. Um, but one of the things that we do when clients or when stylists leave about the clients is we do directly contact any stylist or sorry, we do directly contact any clients that are on our books upcoming. And if they have an appointment scheduled with this stylist, we let them know because this appointment is scheduled at Jay-Z Styles. And we just want to make sure we're letting the client know it will no longer be there. Um, We don't necessarily say like, this is where your stylist is going, but we give them the choice. We say, you have an appointment on this day at this time with this stylist. They are leaving. They won't be here. And we usually go like a month out in advance or just like however far the stylist is booked out. And we give them the option. We say, if you would like to keep this appointment and move to another stylist, we can give you 10% off just, you know, as a sorry for the inconvenience. But if you would like to stay with your stylist who's moving, you're more than welcome to reach out to them, you know, via phone or email or Instagram or however, and they can schedule you 
for their new location. So we're not being sneaky and like trying to keep them and being like, we can't tell you where they're going. I just don't believe in that. And I feel like at the end of the day, it should be the client's choice because it's their hair. They should choose who their stylist is. And it should be their choice if they stay with the salon or if they stay with the stylist. And there's enough heads of hair to go around, right? So that's just my personal take on it. And I enjoy the way we do that because I feel like it's fair to everyone. Okay, you guys, that is the end of the Q&A. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I really love answering these questions for you guys and just sitting down and chatting. So make sure that you listen to the episodes as they come out every Friday. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Follow us on Instagram. All of that is in the show notes below and I will catch you next time. I'm just Jesse. See you next Friday. Thanks for listening to Just Jay-Z, a place where we talk all things hair, business, lifestyle, pop culture, and more. Don't forget to rate and review this episode. 